really powerfully in Jesus' name. Morning. I'm okay. I want to. I want to share with you this morning the first part of a two-part message called um, "The Shelf of Your Heart" or "The Shelf of Your Art," as it'll probably become the more I go along. Um, but for those of you who are not from the best part of the world, the shelf of your heart. Um, and really, I'm, I want to talk about the bookshelf, and I want to talk about this scripture. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Um, so this morning, we're going to talk about your heart. We're going to talk about the times we're living in. We're going to talk about numbing devices. We're going to talk about ungrieved grief. We're going to talk about the wonderful fragility of life and why losing control is so wonderful. Um, now, first of all, let's talk about heart. When the Old Testament writers and Jesus talk about your heart, they understood the heart to be the center of your being. So it's like the center of who you are. Biblically, your heart integrates all the ways you know and experience life. It's where you feel and sense things. So to put it super simpler, your mind is where you process things and your heart is where you feel things. It's a very simplified version, but it works for what we're doing. So your mind is where you process things, your heart is where you feel things. Your mind is where you examine and judge and come up with what you think about a certain thing, but your heart is where you feel something about that thing. And... Um, I want to spend a couple of moments reminding you of the times we're in, because I think it's in, it might seem a little weird what I'm doing, but we're going to get to the point, okay? You all remember there is a war going on in the world right now. I know it's bumped off the pages, because apparently five people talking about what they think the future of countries is more important, but, or what they don't think, or whatever. But there is still a war going on uh, in Ukraine, and um, of course we started the year with pictures of well, really, pictures that seemed to come out of the 20th century and the 21st century because there were columns of tanks rolling through countryside and all sorts of things going on. And, um, of course, your heart feels a response to it. Your mind makes a response, and whatever response that might be, and your mind probably tries to make sense of something like that, but your heart also has a response. Whether you are aware of it or not, you do respond in your heart to that sort of thing. Because your heart feels something, whether it's anger or sadness or frustration or rage or whatever it is, your heart does feel something. When you see the news reports and you watch the pictures, you feel something. Or perhaps you feel nothing, which is also an appropriate, normal response. So you might feel nothing or you might feel something, but there's some form of response in there. And here's the thing. Your heart has shelves in it. Your heart has shelves in it. And your heart has actually a series of shelves in it where these feelings and responses are stored up and they sit side by side in your heart. So this bookshelf is a picture of your heart. And in your heart are all sorts of things. And they're deliberately blank because they'll all be different in everybody's heart. But the truth is that your heart has all these shelves in it. And it has all these feelings and responses that are stored up in it that you have had. Some you're aware of, some you're not aware of. But they're there. 
You might be aware of them, you might not, but the truth is you're a human being, which means there are things in your heart. And this morning, I want to spend my whole time just talking about these things in your heart. In two weeks' time, we're going to talk about how we deal with those things in your heart. But I felt like I needed to spend a bit of an extended time just expressing and opening our eyes to what's in there. First of all, we live in really interesting times, don't we? I don't know if you remember, but we had two years that were really weird. Um, we had, didn't we? Of course, we easily forget, though, that we had two years that were really weird because we've moved on to the next thing. But really, we lived through two years of just weird stuff, man, like challenging, deeply challenging things, things we'd never experienced before. So we lived through all that, all the COVID stuff, and our mind tried to come up with answers. And if you're like me, your mind just got frazzled trying to work it all out. But your heart felt some things. No matter what, your heart felt some things. And we managed to come through it, although the truth is pretty much everybody, I think, was wounded in one way or another by those two years. Pretty much everybody was wounded in one way or another by those two years. And you may have processed it, you may have not, but basically there were things that sat on your heart through those two years. And you may have taken them off and looked at them and dealt with them, you may not have done, but there were things that sat on your heart. There was pain and grief and sadness and loss and all sorts of things that sat on your heart during that time. We came through it one way or another, but most of us came through it full of fatigue and weariness because it was a fatiguing and weary time. It's incredibly challenging. Incredibly challenging. And then we came into it in a year which again started with a war in Europe, an actual proper tank-based war, which most of us thought would never happen again because we thought that was a 1940s type thing. But now we're seeing all this stuff that's gone on. And then you realize that we're in a new place economically that most people, if you're under 50, you've never known what you were now seeing economically. You've never known inflation in double digits. You realize that 10% inflation means prices double in seven years because of compound interest. I was talking to somebody the other day, who must have been in his 60s, and said, yeah, my first mortgage was, we fixed it at 15% for 10 years because it sounds, yeah, see, somebody's nodding back there, yeah? Because that was a good deal back then. All right? So most of us, if you're under 50, you are going to live through some times, and you are going to live through them that economically you've never seen before. I mean, we're talking about energy rationing. That means you might not be able to charge your phone up when you want to. Can you imagine the trauma it's going to cause? No, you laugh, but I mean it. I mean it. Can you imagine this generation that's coming through have never known not to be able to have anything that they want? And we're talking, we might have to ration energy. Some of you will know you'll live through the 70s when actually you could only put the lights on for six hours a day. Those times existed in, in, in living memory of people in this room. It may well happen again. We are facing some incredibly challenging times. And of course, some people have not really thought about it. Some people have thought about it. But listen, your heart's thought about it. Even if your mind might not have done. Your heart's. Politically, of course, we're in really strange times, aren't we? I mean, I, I, know, I, know, I know there's been hypocrisy, but some of the brazen things that are going on are like unbelievable to me. And that's before we talk about your individual life. That's before anything's gone on in your family, with your finances, with your health, with anything that's gone on just for you. This is just stuff that goes on in the world and we've just scratched the surface. 
And whether you realize it or not, when you hear of such things, there is, for many people, a fear of where it might lead. Do you remember at the beginning of the year, there was talk of potential nuclear war? That was talked about. Now, your mind might not go there, partly because you didn't go there because it's too terrifying, but your heart sometimes does. Your heart sometimes does. And the uncertainty of where these events in our world are heading sometimes also resonates with fears that are inside of us about what our future looks like, our relationships, our work, our children. There is something existentially unsettling about this moment in time. There is an increased sense of the fragility of life. And I'm, I'm telling you all this that you already know, but although you already know it, you don't often take time to think about it because it's too terrifying to think about. But it's important that just for a moment we remind ourselves because this all affects your heart and it weighs heavy on your heart. And I'm spending time acknowledging all this to validate the feelings in your heart that most of us will have. And most of us will not have been able to express them or even be aware of them, but they are there. And I just want to acknowledge this is not an easy time to be alive. It's not an easy time to be alive. It's quite a challenging, tough time to be alive. And of course, we can look back and go, well, I'm not sending my 20-year-old and my 18-year-old to some field in France to go over the top, so it's not that bad. And we could look at it like that, and it's true, we are incredibly blessed. Okay, my boys are not going to a field in France. So we are incredibly blessed in that sense. But still, still, sometimes because we've been cosseted and blessed, it doesn't take much to weigh heavy on our heart. So part of the reason, because we are so blessed, we don't need something so traumatic to traumatize us. Does that make sense? It's like in the 40s, we started here, so we went here. It was traumatic. Now we're starting here, so we go here. It's just as traumatic. We're hearing more and more shocking stories, which add to a mental confusion of what we are seeing and hearing. We try and make sense of things, but it seems to me there's less and less I'm able to make sense of. Anybody else struggling to make sense of what's going on right now? Hearing stories and going, I can't quite get my head around that. I can't quite understand that. I can't quite understand why anybody would do that. But your heart, your heart's feeling it. There's a deep sense of weariness, tiredness, and mental confusion and ability to make sense of the world. And I say that because I think I want you to know that if that's you, it's okay. There is a deep sense of weariness, tiredness, mental confusion and an inability to make sense of the world. That's certainly where I find myself anyway. And I know I'm pretty good at this stuff, so if I find myself in that place, I know there's lots of other people in that place. Of course, for some of us, there's a reason you're feeling it more than you're used to, and it's because you've grown. This is the deep challenge with growing to be like Jesus. Because the thing is, what happens is as you grow in love and compassion, your sensitivity radar gets much more powerful. But that means you see more than you used to, and you feel more than you used to. So as you've grown and become more like Jesus, and you've, you've found some things, and you've got more of his heart, that's wonderful. It's also more challenging, because suddenly you are feeling things that you didn't used to feel before, and seeing things you didn't used to see before. And then you've got to deal with that. So it's wonderful, but it's also challenging. It's the outworking of a deeper spirituality, of a deeper and closer connection and walk with Jesus, but it brings its challenges. Maybe you've been asking yourself, why am I crying more? Why am I angry more? Why do I care more? Well, maybe it's because you've grown. 
Maybe it's because you're starting to see the world more and more through Father's eyes. Maybe your heart's becoming more and more alive, which is wonderful and also deeply challenging. And so now we've got to talk about numbing devices. See, our natural reaction to pain is to numb it. There's nothing in us naturally that wants to actually deal with and process any pain. Uh, and most of us want to numb it, and my goodness, there are plenty of ways to numb it, aren't there? I mean, there's plenty of ways to numb the pain. There's plenty of ways to avoid. The list of uh, devices is endless. Think of all the ways, you, all the things you can buy, the things you can put in your body, the things you can put in front of your eyes, the ways you can avoid having to actually feel what's rising up within you. There's more ways than ever to avoid what's feeling rising up on the inside of you. And, and let's not play the ridiculous game where we rank what a good numbing device is. Okay? I don't care whether it's four bottles of vodka or a documentary about polar bears. If it's a numbing device, it's a numbing device. Now, of course, your liver's going to prefer the documentary, and that's probably better for you, but it's a numbing device. And of course, part, part of it is, you know, if we're growing, we should be moving from less destructive numbing devices. So that's fantastic. If we're moving from less destructive ways of numbing the pain, that's wonderful. But actually, if we're numbing the pain, we're numbing the pain. But, but here's the point. You know you are maturing when you reach less often for your chosen numbing device in times of pain, loss, or turbulence. So you know you're growing when you reach less for those numbing devices in times of pain, loss, or turbulence. That's how you know you're growing. When you reach less often for those numbing devices, whatever they are, in times of pain, loss, tiredness, weariness, then you know you are actually maturing as a Jesus follower. Because the truth is, although it feels terrifying to not numb the pain, and it does feel terrifying at the time, if you sit with it long enough, you realize that what rises up within you cannot actually kill you. But if you witness to it, give it space to express itself, it actually does express itself. And what you thought would kill you actually does make you stronger. But the truth is the shelves of our hearts are weighed down with pain, grief, sorrow, rage, anger, loneliness, all of it. And if you're able to be brave enough to be quiet and allow that still empty space within you to open up, if you're courageous enough to allow it to give expression, it does eventually pass and you realize that you are okay. But that's really part two because part two in a couple of weeks' time is how do I get that book off there? And in Jesus' hands. Because that's possible. That's what Jesus offers. That, whatever that is, on the shelf of your heart, is meant to be in Jesus' hands. It's not meant to be there. You see, the truth is that almost everyone has ungrieved grief on their shelf. Almost everyone has ungrieved grief on their shelf. What I mean by this is that almost everyone has things on their shelf that they are yet to process. Grief, of course, is a process, and any loss needs to be grieved if we're going to be emotionally and spiritually healthy. Any loss has got to be grieved if we're going to be emotionally and spiritually healthy. And ungrieved grief is a great barrier to experiencing the life God has for us, which, again, we'll explore more detail in a couple of weeks' time. But the truth is we're all looking for openings to express our grief of pain. It's fascinating to me that whenever a famous people die, there's often this strange outpouring of grief that goes beyond people's connection to that person. And, and I suppose the classic example of this is Princess Diana's death. Um, let's see if I can play this. Can you just put the sound on the 
USB, mate. You remember this? A bright these? mass of flowers now dwarfing the hundreds of people at the edge of... Normalized. It's a release valve. So lots of those flowers were nothing to do with Princess Diana. It was an opportunity to express grief that was locked in people's hearts. And suddenly it became okay to express grief. It was the same when the Queen dies. And some of it will be because of her and the incredible life she's lived and the incredible servant she is. But it will also become okay for a few days to express grief. And a lot of it will just come pouring out. It'll actually be an incredible moment to minister to people that moment. Because suddenly it'll be perfectly all right to talk about grief and loss. Of course, another, another mark of maturity is learning to cope well with loss. There is a, we've already said it's a, in, with an increased sense of the fragility of life. And in one sense, it's always been that way. We've, we've always had to make peace with the terror of life. I mean, if you think about it, life's, life's pretty scary. I mean, you can walk out of this door, cross that road, and be gone, can't you? You can put something in your mouth and die. You can eat something. Do you know what I mean? Like, we, we've already, you know, the idea that you're going to go up in a metal box and fly across the sky is a bit weird, really, when you think about it. Or go in another metal box and travel 80 miles an hour with lots of other metal boxes. Like, it's a bit strange. So, so we've already, we're already used to kind of, um, yeah kind of managing risk in that sense and being used to that, okay, there might be some loss along the way. But, but this is really interesting. You see, one of the stages of maturity is reckoning how fragile life is and how little control we have over any of it. One of the stages of maturity is recognizing how fragile life is and how little measure of control we have over it. Most people spend their whole lives trying to control their life. And they live forever in tension and anxiety because you care. The stage after that is to come to terms with that truth and be at peace about it. To acknowledge that life is fragile, I have very little control over it, and that's okay. You see, you can view life through the lens of how terrifying everything is. And it can cause you great paralysis. Or you can see the fragility of life... And allow it to heighten your wonder, awe, and gratitude that you get to experience this roller coaster we call life. You see, the really, the really free people go, wow, I get to live. And the anxious people who really struggle go, man, I have to live. 
But it's a wonderful place when you can look at life and go, wow, I get to live. I get to experience this thing called life and people and friendship and relationship and love and joy and peace and grace. You can say we're barely hanging on or you can also say, isn't it amazing we get to hang on? And that ain't a shallow cop-out. That's not trite. It's at the heart of the Bible. As David says in the Psalms, this is the day the divine has shaped. Let's rejoice in it. Appreciate it. Have some fun. Now, of course, most people find that deeply challenging to do. And the reason they find it difficult is because their underlying assumptions about what life should look like. We must ask ourselves the question, what do we think life is meant to look like? And then follow up that question with where did that idea come from? So most people express shock at the fact that life is hard. But where did you get the idea it should be easy? Most people express shock at the unfairness of life, but who told you life was going to be fair? Most people express shock at the fact that life is complicated, but who told you it was going to be simple? Because it doesn't say, hey, it's going to be easy or simple or fair. But you see, we live with this idea that life should be fair and simple and, and just, and then we get upset because it's not. Okay, but what are you basing your outlook on life on? Many people are able to enjoy the simple pleasures of life because they're falling for a, life, a lie that said life should be easy, fair, and simple, which is, of course, what the advertisers sell you. But it's not the message of the Bible. Life is neither easy, fair, or simple, and some of us just have to come to terms with that truth. But we've also got to terms with another truth. The principles of Jesus and the person of Jesus means it's possible to navigate this difficult, unfair, and complicated life in the most wonderful way possible. So there's a need to acknowledge that life is fragile and you have no control over it, and that's okay. That's not to say you can't influence life. You can. It's possible to influence this thing called life. And although there'll be much of it you'll never be able to control, you will be able to thrive. How do you do that? By guarding your heart. Why? This is why. Because you see life through the lens of your heart. And so if this is your heart, life's wonderful. But if this is your heart, and this is pain and loss and grief and sadness, then your outlook is completely tinged with what's in your heart. That's why the scripture says, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. You see, it doesn't matter how blessed you are or how many wonderful people are around you. If your heart is still full of the pain of previous broken relationships, you'll see everyone around you through that lens. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. If your heart is still full of the fear of loss from the past, you'll never feel wealthy enough. And so the examples could go on and on because everything negative you've got that's stored up in your heart affects your current life and how you see everything and everyone around you. Guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. It's why understanding there's a shelf in your heart and on that shelf sits all sorts of things. Pain, grief, sorrow, rage, anger, loneliness, regret, heartache. Okay, well, why do I see life in a certain way? Well, what's on your shelf? What's in your heart and what's on your shelf? Because that, that'll, that'll mean that's how you see life. And of course, this is the incredible thing about Jesus is that he does actually set us free from all that stuff. He's the only one now I can go, Jesus, this, this loss, 
I'm taking it off my bookshelf and I'm giving it to you. And I can leave it with him, walk away. And the lens of my life just got changed completely. And of course, that's the whole process and a whole journey. That's for two weeks' time. But for now, I felt like it was super important that I actually took an extended amount of that time to get you thinking about your heart. Because most of us don't want to think about it. Most of us would rather sit there and go, what heart? I don't have a shelf on my heart. Nope, not going. Because as soon as you start to look, you go, whoa, that's too many stuff on there. I'm not looking at that. You kind of go, But that's what we do all the time. And of course, I understand that. It's overwhelming. It's terrifying. But listen, just because you don't acknowledge it doesn't mean it's not there. This is the hardest thing for, for people who have gone through any sort of pain or trauma, which is every human being, is that the first step is to turn around and acknowledge it's there. And dare to look at it. And of course, like the story of Lazarus, you know, Lazarus, is, Jesus says, oh, open up the tomb. Mary goes, no way, it's going to stink. Yeah, of course, because dead things stink. They're not nice. They're not enjoyable. They're not pleasant. Of course, nobody wants to look at it. But listen, you'll never manage to enjoy the fullness of life Jesus offers until you clear out the lens of your heart. Because guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Above all else, think of all the things we do above guarding our heart. Okay, well, maybe that's why life's like it is for some of us. Maybe if we guarded our heart above everything else, maybe if that was our number one thing in our life, to guard our heart, maybe the course of our life might be a little bit different. Okay. So, I want to leave you with a little, little task between now and two weeks' time when I'll share part two. Because... Some of us have just got to come to terms with the fact that there might be a shelf or there might be some things on it. That's the first step. We've just got to come to terms with, okay, there probably is some things. And I've just talked about three years, but there's your whole life. I mean, there's stuff from your whole life that's on there, not just the last kind of, you know, three years. And we've got to acknowledge the fact that it can be terrifying to look at it and think about it. But, but let me just say this one thing. God will never ask you to take more books off that shelf than you can carry. Now, he probably thinks you can carry more than you think you can carry. But he'll never ask you to take more off than you can cope with. Because the thing is, we look at it and we go, well, I can't deal with all that. And Jesus goes, well, can we start with the smallest one? Do you want to try me out? Should we have a go? See where we can get. Because that's how it works. But maybe, maybe between now and a couple of weeks' time, we've just got to go, all right, Lord, I, I, I'm going to choose to look. I'm going to choose to have a look. I'm going to choose to be aware. Maybe some of you have got to start asking him, what's on there? What is on the bookshelf of my heart, Lord, that shouldn't be there? Because maybe there's some things that he wants to help us with. And maybe there's some things he wants to take off. Because maybe there's a cast of your life that can change when we acknowledge what's on there. Shall we pray together? Thank you, Lord.
Father, I want to thank you for your incredible goodness towards us, Lord. I want to thank you for your incredible life towards us, Jesus. Thank you that you know each and every one of us, Lord. Thank you that you're a kind and gracious dad. Now, Father, I ask, Lord, for those of us, some of us are aware, we know, we know about the bookshelf, some of us even know what's on it, but Lord, particularly for those of us who like, have never really thought about it, perhaps, or who are thinking about it in new ways, I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to them, Father, that they'd make some time and just sit and listen. And Lord, perhaps you'll just reveal one thing to them for now, Lord, because I know your heart is that our hearts would be fully cleansed of anything that's in there that's not of you, Lord. And we acknowledge, Lord, we acknowledge that this is not an easy time to live. We acknowledge the challenges of it, but we thank you for your wisdom, Lord, that says if we guard our heart in it all, then it will determine the course of our life. And we know when we guard our heart, when we deal with those things that don't like you, then our lives go in wonderfully fabulous ways. And we want to thank you for that. In Jesus' name.